What's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey here with Ethan and Bailey. I was going to say Bailey and Ethan, but we've been on a roll, and, and we've been going uh, with Ethan and Bailey, so got to keep that away. Uh, guys, we're back, and uh, we'll have uh, NFL Draft on Thursday, and uh, should be a, a good uh, good night or three nights uh, for the Gators. Yeah, um, I mean... There's a few that we're not really sure exactly where they're going to go. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good night. Some are speculating that Florida could even tie or possibly break its current school record for players drafted in a, in a single draft. So uh, I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but I think there's probably when you look at the list of guys, there's probably, I think, eight guys you could feel fairly very confident about getting drafted and another two or three that are on the fence. So. How, what is the record? Eleven? No, I think it's only nine. Yeah, oh, only nine. I think it's nine. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think I think they definitely tie that then. Uh, and I mean, you know, do I think <clears throat> three will be drafted in the first round? No, I, I don't. But I also think that there's an uh, an opportunity for for three. I mean, I I think Pitts obviously is you know probably going to go in the four spot. Who that'll be to. Two, we'll see. I mean, right now it's the Falcons. Hey, I'm cool with it if Justin Fields is in there. We'll talk about that later as a Falcons fan. Uh, but, you know, Kadarius is, is that, you know, 15 to, to, to 25 kind of range right there. Uh, another guy kind of depending. And then Kyle Trask is, is an up-in-the-air guy. You know, my, my thing for Trask is this. I, I don't know that he is the first round grades and I don't know that you know he is a, a for sure first rounder as far as talent or whatever goes or whatever you know they the draft people put on the boards but I think it becomes a situation where when you look at this uh, I think it could come down to let's just say the first four picks I'll go uh, quarterbacks and and it goes Lance and and Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Tre Trevor Lawrence. All four of those guys are are gone in the first four picks. I think you could see some team trade up. You know, Mac Jones will be fifth coming off the board probably, uh, and then you you'll, you'll have Kyle as as the sixth guy. I can see a, a team get very uh, anxious and eager late in the first round and maybe try to trade up into the late first round and and pick a Trask. I could definitely see that happening. It, Trask is maybe one of the weirder prospects I can remember in recent years from the Gators because it seems like there's I've seen projections all the way that happen from the first round all the way to like the fourth. Right. And there's just a huge range in opinion on him. I think I think he's a first round talent. I don't think a lot of people have him evaluated as a first rounder, which is going to make him fall because why would you draft somebody higher than what you have to when you can fill other needs in the meantime? So. I think it'll just come down to which team is willing to pull the trigger first, whether that's first round or I – mean, I don't think he makes it past the second. I think well, that's about the I think for him. I think the thing here, Ethan, to, 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 you know, is – see this every year. Guys that should not be taken in the first round are taken up because teams get nervous that they're not going to be able to – pick uh, or, you know, check off a, a need. And, and I, I said this, I was doing a, another podcast last week, and when you when you look at the quarterback class, the top six quarterbacks in this draft are really good. After that, it's not very good. I mean, you're thinking the next is Kellen Mond, Felipe Franks. Yeah, we even have him in front of Kyle Trask. Well, which is crazy to me. anybody who drafts Kellen Mond before Kyle Trask needs to lose their job. 
I've seen that. I'm like, what are you doing? Anybody who drafts Trey Lance ahead of Kyle Trask needs to lose their job. Well, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm even I, I'm even in the 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 field who says if you don't draft Justin Fields as your second quarterback, what are you doing? I mean, is Zach Wilson a good player? Yeah, he is, but. Well, he did that at BYU. Justin Fields, what he did at Ohio State is just—it is—it it speaks for itself. Uh, go back and watch Fields against Clemson. He makes all the throats. I think it's just a case of everybody wants to try to be the smart guy that thought better of a, a quarterback than everybody else did. Kind of like a couple years ago with the Chiefs, they drafted Mahomes in the first round when I don't think a lot of people had him going in the first round. So now everybody's got to try to be ahead of the curve so they can say that they knew something that everybody else didn't three or four years down the road. How'd that work out for Chicago with Trubisky? Yeah, that was <laughs> that seemed like a dumb idea at the time, and it seems a whole lot dumber now. <laughs> oh, if you go back and look at that draft, and some of the guys they they picked Trubisky over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and see, that's kind of where it goes for me with Kadarius, and, and and that is, you know, a lot of people have Kadarius as a you know a, a late first round guy. And, you know, some people are now saying maybe he's number 15, you know, in that 15 pick because, again, you start to see a run on receivers. You've got, new, you know, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. Those are probably going to be your top two guys off the board. Then you have Jalen Waddell and, and you have Kadarius. Those are the next kind of two guys on the board. And so if you start to make a run on those guys and, and let's just say it pick, you know, 15, somebody's already taken Waddell, Smith, and, and Jamar Chase – a team that needs a receiver is probably going to jump up and take Kadarius for the simple fact of fearing they may lose out on the top four receivers. Yeah, that's true. And I've honestly also seen some draft boards that have him falling into the second round. I don't see it happening. Um, but I think the biggest thing with Kadarius is some teams are just a little bit nervous at, at the fact that he's still pretty raw. I mean, Obviously, he made that huge jump this year, so we know that he is capable of continuing to kind of polish himself. But just the fact that he's not as polished as some of the other receivers that are going to be taken ahead of him. Um, so I think that's just where a few teams are a little nervous about him. But I think whoever gets him is getting a, a really a steal in my eyes. If I was nervous about Kadarius, it wouldn't be for anything simply because can he stay healthy? That'd yeah, be my, that, that would be my only concern. Uh, and, you know, I, I've heard people, you know, like you said, say, well, you know, is he polished enough? The, the steps he's made in the two years speak for itself. And can he get open? Yes. Can he catch the ball? Yes. Can he run good routes? Yes. That's all you want in the NFL. Right. Yep. And I saw one person today came out with a story where they talked to a former scout or something that said he had character issues. That. I have no idea where they got from. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, some former scout or something told somebody that he thought he would slip to the second round because teams had character concerns or some crap. Never been suspended. I've heard people are are nervous about his whole rapping thing, but I haven't heard anything about character issues. Never been suspended. Never been arrested. Never, never, you know, had any trouble come about. People just want to make things up to to get people going. I yeah. think that's all it is. Uh, that, that's just insane. And, and you know the whole music thing. I heard that thing as well. I, I, and my question to, to to people is this: Would you rather the guy on his off days be making music, or the guys out on the street? Yeah. 
Yeah. And in the end, it really, it's not really a factor anyway, because, I mean, when, a couple years ago, there was a guy that had an ongoing assault investigation or something, got drafted in the first yeah. round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was the, uh, the spot for you in the NFL? What was the guy from Mississippi State who, who, who was drafted, who had, like, two, two sexual assaults? Yeah, I mean, whatever. That's uh, just, I mean, it's the same thing with Justin Fields saying he had work ethic issues. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's beyond me. Uh, let's get into Kyle Pitts a little bit. It's obviously a a very interesting, you know, I, I think any other year, Kyle, Kyle Pitts is probably pick number two. Uh, you know, I think Kyle Pitts is probably the second best player uh, in this draft, and, and I think you can make the argument he, he's the, the best player in the draft. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence is obviously a, a very good quarterback. Uh is he, you know, does he separate himself? I don't know. I mean, drafting a quarterback first or overall usually doesn't end very well for most teams. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, right now, again, Atlanta has picked four. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, again, does a team trade up to take that quarterback who's not picked in the top three? Um, or, or do they, you know, go with Kyle Pitts at four? Uh, I, I think that, and I'll ask you guys this, I think we're both, or we can all three say, he won't get past pick six with the Dolphins. No, no, he, I, I, I think he's definitely going in that in that four to six range, like you said, and it it does kind of suck for him that you know it just this is going to be a year of the quarterbacks getting taken early like that. But I can I can make that argument too that I think that he's at least the second best. But I would I would go as far as to say the best player overall. It just comes down to what teams need and you know he wherever he goes he's going to make an immediate impact um in my eyes so yeah. and he's i think the record right now for the highest drafted pen of all time is number six so he's at the very worst gonna tie that and i think number four might be about the highest a tight end could ever get drafted because number one's always gonna be a quarterback and then two and three is either gonna be a team that needs a quarterback or trading to somebody who needs a quarterback so he, he might set a record that quite possibly may never get broken. I was I, I seen something uh today that said is he the best receiver um in the draft and I'm sitting here myself thinking oh here we go again with is he a receiver, is he a tight end? Does it really matter? <laughs> I mean I yes it does because when it comes payday, you know, receivers get more money for whatever reason where Rob Gronkowski went through this whole, you know, thing, but uh, Again, does it, does it really matter? I mean, does it really matter if he lines up a tight end or receiver? How many tight ends in the NFL actually line up as a traditional tight end that, you know, was five or six years ago? Uh, again, if if a team doesn't need a quarterback and they pass on Kyle Pitts, are crazy. Yeah. They're crazy. No, I, I had to see it happening. I, I'm all for him going to Atlanta as a Falcons fan. If Justin Fields isn't there. If Justin Fields is there, you go all in on Justin Fields. Make him your... You know, the the guy who's going to take over from Matt Ryan in two years. If Justin Fields isn't there, you go Kyle Pitts and you and you pair him with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and you say that's kind of the best trio of of uh, weapons that you can put on an, on an offense. And I'm perfectly happy with it. Uh, like you said, either way, Kyle Pitts is going to make a lot of money. And, uh, you know, he'll be a guy that I think next year we're talking about having a phenomenal rookie year because uh, he's ready. Yeah. So you. So you'd rather have a quarterback for two or three years in the future than a instant impact tight end now? 
Well, here here's my thing with that, Ethan, and I went back and forth on this. So a lot of people, you know, ask me my, you know, this for. The, the thing for me as a Falcons fan is this, and that is we're not one piece away from winning next year. You know, having Kyle Pitts does not make the Falcons Super Bowl team. Uh, it's a it's time for kind of a rebuild almost a little bit in Atlanta. I mean, there's already talks that Julio may be, you know, traded to free up salary cap. Matt Ryan's at the end of his career. I hate quarterbacks who, who get pushed into play year one. I think it is the worst thing for a quarterback to happen. So if a guy like Fields, who is still pretty raw as a quarterback, could be drafted, sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, learn the system, learn it, and play, then I'm all for it. Again, I may get bashed for it. I like that call. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's pretty much a win-win there, no matter no matter who you end up with. So I have, a feeling, really good. I have a feeling you're going to be pretty angry about 8:45 Thursday though when they take Kyle Pitts with uh, Field still on the board. <sighs> I'll be honest feel- with you. I will. I will probably. It would probably be worse when they trade the pick for nothing. To like pick twelve, and they go out and sign it, and they go out and draft a DB, because that's probably what they'll do. <laughs> so, new GM though, I'm keeping faith that the GM uh, will go there. Uh, have seen this, and um, you know, I think we hit on this a little bit um, before, but you know, Stone uh, Forces is a guy who a lot of people are now are saying could be third round. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys this because I think it's a little bit of I think it's a little bit of two things. I think he gets a bad rap of is he good enough to be a third rounder because of the fact that the offensive line has been so terrible um, at, at Florida the last few years. But then I think he also gets the benefit that how big he is. You know, he's got the ideal size for for a tackle in the league, and he's coming off of a really really good year. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, when you hear third round for Stone, are you thinking, no way, that's crazy? Or are you thinking, yeah, that's that's pretty fair? I mean, I think it's a possibility for him. I definitely, going into this, I wouldn't have said he was a third rounder. But, you know, as you hear more and more about it, I guess it's kind of starting to make more sense. Uh, I don't know if I see him going in the third round, but I think if he doesn't, we'll see him off the board really early on uh, day three. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that I necessarily see him as deserving of that high, but he definitely has potential to um, to work his way up there once he gets in the NFL. I don't see him as a third-round pick just because he's probably going to have to move the right tackle, I think, once he gets to the NFL just because he, I don't think, is athletic enough to play left tackle at that level. And then he's kind of a one-trick pony. It's not very good at blocking against the run by his own admission. Right. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's fair to say that, like Andrew, you were just talking about with Florida's offensive line struggles hurting him. I don't. I think GMs would be smart enough to re- realize that he can't play all five spots. And so I think I think as an individual, he's a middle-round draft pick. Third round, probably pushing it a little bit, though. Yeah, and when I say, you know, the whole offensive line, I, I meant that just as the overall basis of, of a lot of people because, you know, when you see the third round, I've seen a lot of people say, how? How? Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that that is because, like, you, like we just said, the offensive line has been so bad that people really haven't broken down. I, I was uh, 
one of the the NFL scouts and or one of the analysts that does the scouts uh, or does the draft was talking about it. And I'm trying to remember who it was, but yeah, he was talking about Brett Heggie. He said, I, I think Brett Heggie is a really good late round pickup for a team and he's going to play a long time. And I thought to myself, you know, he's exactly right because Heggie can play all the interior positions is going to play hard-nosed football as a smart guy, is going to do everything you want him to do, not get in trouble, and is going to play at a high level. And, again, you know, a lot of people think, how? But, again, Brett Heggie didn't play bad ball this year. The guys around him played really bad ball. And, and really and truly, it was the right side of the offensive line that just played really bad that we were always seeing the offensive line's got to get better. The offensive line's got to get better. But in all reality, it was really just the right side of the offensive line. Yeah, and I think Brett Heggie, he could definitely have a great NFL career, assuming he stays healthy, because that's just the thing that killed him at Florida. I feel like we never really got to see him live up to his potential, just because nagging injuries kept hitting him. And, right. you know, that that's just going to be something that we'll have to watch once he gets to that next level. Uh, Ethan, thoughts on Heggie? I think Bailey just about covered it all. I mean, he's he, – I don't think he'll get drafted. He'll probably be an undrafted free agent, which if you're going to – if you're going to go in the sixth or seventh round anyway, it's probably better to be an undrafted free agent because then you get to pick your team and the money's about the same at that point. Right. So I think if he goes undrafted and he's able to sign with the right organization with his versatility, he could be a guy that hangs around 10 years or so. Probably not as a starter, but he's got that versatility – you only have eight offensive linemen usually active on game days in the NFL, and he can play three of the spots. That is exactly what teams would be looking for in a guy like him. Right. Well, and like you said, you know, if you're if you're not if you're not one of the guys that's going to go, you know, in the five through or one through five, then yeah, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not a fourth round pick. You, you, I mean, well, really, even a fourth round pick, you, you could you could still be cut. They don't they don't care, uh, you know, about cutting you. So you know, drafting the seventh round, they'll still cut you. So you know, do I expect the, you know Brett Heggie to make a roster next year for sure? I don't know that he will for sure. He probably make a he could. I, I say he definitely makes a practice squad team, and, and like you say, is a guy who sticks around for a long time. Um, to go back to Stone, I just think that Stone has the all the athletic attributes to, to be a good tackle. He's absolutely a right tackle in the league. Uh, and again, is he he's more of a pass uh, blocking tackle. But again, that's that's kind of the NFL rank for for a tackle. They they like you to be more of a pass blocking. They're not so much of the pulling kind of guys at, at the uh, like the college game is. So I, again, I could see him doing well, um, and I, I'm looking forward to it. The biggest thing that I always go back to is some of the guys that's been in Florida and, and drafted are still in the league right now didn't have very good college careers and are making a ton of money. Trent Brown's the highest paid offensive lineman in the league. Doesn't that just grind your gears a little bit? <laughs> like, just the fact that they have that in them and they could never show it when they were at Florida. And it's, just, uh, it's crazy. It was like, yeah, it was the same thing at quarterback for a while, too, where you had Brissett, Greer, Driscoll yeah. in the NFL, and Florida's here stuck with Felipe Franks, but that's going to come to an end this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, it, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that, uh, 
I think that there will be some interesting, you know, takes with Stone and, and with Brett Hagee there and to see kind of what they do and, you know, how they do with an offensive line that, you know, is, is better all around. Um, let's move on a little bit. Trayvon Grimes is another guy. Uh, you know, you could see people have him anywhere to that three to seventh round, you know, uh, kind of threshold as well. I, I say this with Trayvon Grimes, and that is I don't know that I care really where he gets drafted. I think he's a guy that'll make an NFL roster and he'll, and he'll play a good bit of time in, in the NFL because of his size, because of his ability, because he can play all your special teams positions. Um, and he does kind of what you want as an NFL receiver. So I don't know that I so much care where he gets drafted because I, I think wherever he goes, he's going to do well. You know, kind of like Tyree Cleveland last year. You know, everyone was, you know, how why did he get picked by the by the Broncos after they took two receivers? He made the team playing for him. It's going to, with Grimes, probably come down to, he's a guy who tests very well at like combine-type settings. He's very fast, can jump very high. But the tape, when the film, when you look at him, isn't great. He Inconsistent. Highlight. Yeah, like he had the Georgia catch, but then what else would you put on his highlight reel for last year? Right. Yeah. Inconsistent. Sometimes he catches the ball, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, uh, it's just inconsistent play. Can he be consistent? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that an NFL team can can work out if he's willing to put in the work, which I think he's the kind of guy that is. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see. But he is another one of those guys that's kind of like you just don't really know where he's going to land. I think Florida has several of those that we could just be waiting and waiting and not really knowing when we're going to see them taken off the board. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you can go you can go down the list. I mean, Marco's another guy. You know, we, we, we talk about Marco. You know, he's a guy who's three, you know, some have him as the, like, 78th best player there, uh, three through seven. I mean, again, where does he go in the in the, in the the draft? You know, it kind of depends. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing at corner is, and that is, you, it's not top-heavy. The, the, the class is not a very top-heavy class. I mean, after Patrick Sertan um, and another guy or two there, you got really two or three guys, and then it's just kind of that next group of guys there. So uh, how teams have them on the board will kind of kind of determine where they are you know in the draft uh, again I, I can see Marco anywhere you know in the middle range kind of day three kind of guy um you know I kind of put him there with Sean Davis you know I think both of those guys are you know mid to late round picks um and more so for Sean I think Sean's got to go to the right team. He cannot go to a team that's going to expect their cor- or their safeties to go man to man. He's got to be a team that uh, got to go to a team that's going to allow just kind of for the safety to roam the area in the defensive backfield. If he goes to teams can go man to man, things are going to go bad and go bad quick. Yeah, and I mean, not to change the subject here, but going back to Marco a little bit, um, you know, I think at pro day he really reopened everyone's eyes to what he can be. Not that anyone ever questioned he was a stellar athlete, but it's just after the season, you know, you kind of forget what, what he has in him, uh, the potential that's there. Um, So, you know, he's another one that it's just, he's going to have to be kind of molded once he gets to an NFL team. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that he could, he could have a decent career. You know, you see what, uh, his brother's doing, um, what's he? So, you know, he has that to kind of fall back on to help him settle into the NFL. 
Um, so we'll see how, how things go for Marco there, but uh, hoping, hoping for the best for him. Well, I think the thing with Marco, too, is, is, is Marco's a guy that can kind of play anywhere in the defensive backfield. He, he also is going to play every special team. And if you're going to make the NFL, you know, especially as a rookie, you better be able to play every special teams. You better be able to, you know, make, you have to, ma- the NFL has to maximize every you know, position to the to the fullest. You can't have a guy that's just a gunner on special teams. Got to have guys that can play. You know, all around. And uh, you know, Marco, Sean, Trayvon, those guys all can do that. And I think that's what you really look for, and that'll help them make a roster. Right, and that's something that Dan Mullen is really really prides himself on too. I think is that we talk about every year. He's just making sure that his guys are all you know ones that can play all those. Uh, positions on uh, special teams, you know, that they're all really into it. That's not something that they, you know, just kind of throw to the wayside and, you know, they're focused on what they're doing on offense or defense. Um, So I I think that does definitely benefit some of Dan Mullen's players once they get to that next level. And I I will say that I think the scheme the Gators running in the secondary last couple years did a pretty big disservice to Marco He's just—he's not a play ten yards off the ball kind of DB. He's a guy who needs to be up in someone's face, pressing with the line, and I think that played a factor. And then also maybe if you're an NFL team, you just have to hope that he was looking past his looking past the season, already looking ahead to the NFL, and hope that he's able to kind of recapture what he was as a freshman and early on in his sophomore year. Well, I think that you've got to you've got to be willing to tackle now once you get to the NFL. It that that's the biggest thing is the tackling was just pitiful this year, and I think that turns a lot of people off. But just the unwillingness, in from what I saw. Yeah, and I think that's I don't know that that's just a a college thing though, and I don't think that's just a Florida thing. I think it's becoming a little bit everywhere. And, you know, we, we can, we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but, you know, now with the rules of limiting contact and certain drills and stuff in the, in, in you know, practices, I think it's going to become even worse. And, uh, you know, you know, talking about the disservice, that's kind of what I was going to say on Sean Davis a little bit. You know, when you're asking him to play man, you're asking for problems. Sean Davis isn't a man, you know, safety. You know, I go back to Keanu Neal. If you'd ask Keanu Neal to play man-to-man, Keanu Neal wouldn't have been a first-round pick. That's not what he is. Um, and, and, you know, so, I, again, I, I think that that's, the, you know, where you have to look at it with uh, with Sean. Uh, a, a guy that I think, and I'm a, I, I want to get you guys' opinion, and a guy that I think is probably the biggest mystery uh, of them all is T.J. Slayton. Yeah, I was about to bring him up, too. He just, you know, we heard so much about him. You know, he was always a guy that we, you know, heard a lot about in spring. Heard a lot back in fall. Big body, you know, and he would he would make flashes where he was just really good. Then he would make flashes where he would just disappear. Um, is what are you guys seeing on that? I my thing with him is is I don't know that it'd be a bad thing if he went undrafted, you know, because a lot of people are saying sixth to seventh round. Uh, I don't know that it'd be a bad thing if he went undrafted and let him go pick a team that really needs a a, a tackle and and then with a, a defensive line coach that's really good that can continue to help him develop. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the body is there. The body to work on for the team that gets him is there, but it's just another guy that needs a lot of polishing. 
And, you know, it's it's really sad that we didn't see that fully kind of come to fruition when he was at Florida, because like you said, every year we hyped him up so much from from the day he stepped on campus. Everyone was so excited about what uh, Tadaro Slayton is going to do. And we just didn't quite see it. You know, like you said, we we'd see flashes. But you know, I, I really I hope that uh, he ends up in a good position there. I think he's definitely a guy that, you know, his NFL career could really be much better than what he showed in his college career. He was he was the three time defending offseason weight room champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think he'll get drafted just because of that. I mean, once you get down to the fifth round, it's either you take somebody like him or somebody from some small school you've never heard of before and why not take a shot on him and hope that he's just a late bloomer? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, body size is there. Um, and, you know, um, ability, you know, is questionable. You know, I mean, not questionable. It's there. Question of being consistent. And, you know, I think that um, I, I think that somebody will get him. Um, and I think somebody, you know, will continue to develop him and, and it will get him to, to understand what he's good at. Um, you know, defensive tackles don't play all four downs in, in college. I mean, in the NFL. They just simply don't. So, I, again, I think that it'll be a, a situation where he can get in there um, and, and really – fine-tune things see things and, and I, I do i think that he'll he'll latch on with a team and we'll, we'll see you know just where it may be I, you know again i he's not a three four guy he needs to go to a, a four three team that's not going to make him be a, a, as a nose tackle or anything like that and if he does that i think he'll do well uh again i i think that the inconsistency from him and just kind of the what if from him it kind of hurts him a little bit but i don't think it'll hurt his nfl career yeah, no, I don't think so either. It's just depending on where he goes. But like you said, I don't think it really makes much of a difference for him, just as long as he lands on, on a team that is a good fit. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of goes with Kyrie Campbell. Um, Kyrie Campbell's kind of the same way. And, you know, I, I say this about Kyrie. You know, we all wondered how, how much of an impact he was for this team. But when he did get back on this team this year, uh, you know, it was a, a situation where things were so much better at times for this defense. Um, again, just kind of like TJ Slayton, a lot of inconsistency. Is the talent there? Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, just being consistent and really finding his niche and, and being able to get in there and, and continue to, to improve and, and to, you know, kind of get his craft better. Uh, you know, again, I, I think he's a year or two away in the NFL and, you know, definitely needs to get on the practice squad for somebody, but I think he'll do fine. I think you could make the argument that he was the defensive MVP last year. And it's just night and day difference with him on the field versus when he wasn't the first few games. He's just, I think the biggest knock on him is just going to be his size because he's not a huge guy that you want inside playing nose tackle. And so it just, I think it comes down to do they feel like they can get it, get enough out of him or, or the physical limitation just going to be too much? Yeah, and I mean, that may be what, you know, scares teams away from taking him. Um, and, and, you know, maybe makes him go to, you know, uh, um, training camp and or to a, uh, uh, what are they called? Well, they're not, well, I don't know. Some teams are doing OTAs now for rookie camps. Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, definitely go to training camp and earn his job. And that's probably what's going to have to happen with Kyrie. Um, you know, maybe even be a practice squad guy um, early on. But I just think it's very similar between him and Slayton as far as both guys who have the ability just it's so inconsistent at times. 
Yep. And, you know, this spring even, I, I think I remember David Turner talking very highly about Kyrie um, and just saying that he was a guy that they really leaned on, you know, um, once he got back from that injury. Um, so, you know, like you said, I don't, I don't know that there's much more to say about him, but I, I do think that he, um, he could end up having, having a decent career if he can get in somewhere that, you know, he can work his way up. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got McFear, Evan McPherson. I, I think we can all agree. He's, uh, you know, late to undrafted guy that'll be picked up. Um, Brad Stewart's probably in the same boat, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe gets picked late. Uh, who am I missing? Am I missing anyone? Steiner. Steiner, probably in the same boat. Um, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah, I yeah. think we covered everybody. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. So again, uh, be interesting to see. Uh, first rounds on Thursday. Uh, second and uh, third is on Friday, and then uh, four through seven is on Saturday. And you know, I'll I'll ask you guys this, and I, that is, do y'all like the the Thursday prime time first round? I hate how drawn out of all of this is with the <laughs> ten minutes on the clock, and then they wait five minutes and they go to commercial break and. It should not take five hours for 32 teams to make one pick. No, I mean, I, I do, I, I don't like how long and drawn out it is, but I do like, you know, that they're giving these guys who are, you know, that first round talent their time that, you know, it's all about them. Uh, but yeah, I, I can agree that after the first few picks or so, you're just like, come on, can we get I mean, I mean, MLB used to do a 40-round draft in the same amount of time it took the NFL to do seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think it's a little too long, especially when it gets to four through seven. It's just like you know mm-hmm. it, that. Uh, you know, I, it will be uh, will be good to see guys in the green room. Um, you know, uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence isn't going, uh, and then some guys that are not going in the green room. They're going to allow them to virtually be at the draft. Uh, Kadarius Tony's one of those guys. Uh, Kyle Trask is one of those guys as well, I believe. I, I know uh, Kyle Pitts is going to actually be at the draft, so uh, you know it's good. Good to see uh, overall, and uh, you know I, I I like the whole Thursday, um, you know prime time for the first round separating it uh, thing. I I, I do I, like you said. I just think it's a little drawn out. So uh, let's go to some Diamond Sports. Uh, Bailey, lose to South Carolina in softball. What is going on? I I don't know. I, it seems like Florida does this quite a bit. Just on that first game of the series, they can't get themselves going. Uh, they did it against Georgia, too, a few weeks ago. And, you know, I think that they said, well, first of all, Florida hadn't lost to South Carolina since 2013. But right. I think it was like 40 of the last 41 games, if I remember that stat correctly, that they had beat South Carolina. So that's just that, – that was rough. That was a rough night for everybody. But, uh, you know, they kind of got it back going there on Saturday and on Sunday. Um, got those two wins. Um and Natalie Lugo, she pitched both games, and she looked really good. She ended up being uh, SEC co-pitcher of the week. Uh, I think she only allowed one run all week. So, a really good performance from her. Um, you know, it's, 
I, I, I don't know what to tell you about that loss. That was a head scratcher for sure. Yeah, definitely a head scratcher. Good news is Hannah Adams is coming back, and Natalie Lugo both have opted to, to use that uh, extra year, so that's good there. Uh, Ethan, real quick. Uh, baseball uh, takes two out of three from Auburn in, in a weird you know kind of weekend where you play Friday night, you know, half Saturday off, and then have a, a, a double uh, double header on uh, Sunday um, overall. But, uh, you know, is the, is the team back, you think, or, or, or what's kind of your take now? I, I don't really think they're back as much as it was Auburn just is cannot bad? win a close game. No, they're, they're not bad. I mean, they're top five in a lot of offensive categories, and they almost took two out of three from Arkansas. So they have they're a better team than what their record would indicate. It's just Auburn does not have what it takes to win close games for whatever reason. For the Gators, it just it was kind of more the same. Offensively, it was pretty good, pretty consistent. Judd Fabian finally hitting the cover off the ball again. Pitching-wise, it's just more the same where you'll have four innings go great, and then the fifth inning just goes horribly, and then the rest of the game they're fine again. They just can't seem to avoid the one or two disastrous innings per game that seem to hurt them, and that's going to have to get cleaned up against Vanderbilt this weekend if they're going to have a chance to win. They're going to have to have some guys pitch the game of their lives. It does look like uh, Leftwich has kind of settled into that uh, bullpen role, though. Well. He he had gone nine consecutive hitless and scoreless innings, and then he kind of blew the first game of the doubleheader on Sunday for him. Gave up, I think, five or I think he gave up five earned runs in one inning, and gave up six hits or something. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? Again, yeah. it's, it's the consistency of it. it. He's just a head scratcher. Uh, it it just you know. Uh, I, what to see him go from where he was at last year and to see where he's at this year. It's just, I don't even know. I don't know the words. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It, it's a question, it, you, and I, I mean, I know Sully's, you know, done his homework on this and everything else, but you, it, it almost seems like he's pitching with something wrong with him, like an injury or something, because this is not the same Jack Leftwich has pitched for the Florida Gators the last few years. It just isn't. I just, I think he's mentally fragile. It just whenever things start to go wrong, they just completely bottom out on him until he kind of has that moment where he throws his glove and then he kind of pitches with a, pitches with an edge for a little bit and then he'll run into some more trouble and then it just it's a constant cycle with him and you just have to hope that he's in the up cycle at the right time for you. They always say pitchers are the are the weirdest guys, you know. They don't talk to them in the bullpen and everything else, and you know, don't talk to them in the dugout. We we don't talk about the no nos. So you know, it's a superstitious game overall. Uh, yeah. So no uh, midweek for them. No midweek for softball either. Uh, got Vandy this weekend, and uh, should be interesting. I will say this: does look like Vandy's a little more vulnerable than they were at the beginning of the year. Yep. I, I... I think, yeah, Jack Leiter gave up, I think, a career-high six hits in his last start, which is kind of... Career-high six hits. <laughs> yeah, they can't give up more than, like, five or six hits in a game before. Give up, I think, four runs in five innings or something. Right. I think I think it's going to be a very competitive series. I don't think it's going to be this Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter come in and mow everybody down like I think some people think it's going to be. I expect this to be a very competitive series. I think Florida has the advantage on Sunday because Vanderbilt, they don't even have a designated Sunday starter. It's just TBA and bullpen for them. I think you find a way to hopefully get one of those first two. I, guess, I think 
they're better. I think the Gators actually have a better chance it gets lighter than they do Rocker. And then you have to absolutely have to win that Sunday game. And I want to go on record right now and say I think Florida wins this series. The the thing for me is this with with Florida, and that is it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if they went out there and got got swept. It wouldn't. It it just really wouldn't. The team's inconsistent, and the the talent's there. I mean, offensively, they they can hit with anybody. Um, Pitching-wise, when when they're pitching well, they can pitch with anybody. Uh, it, it just being consistent there. Uh, it will be fun. It, it really will be fun. Uh, you know, obviously it's not what we thought. I mean, we all thought we were going to get the battle of Rocker versus uh, Mace and then, you know, turn it around with Leiter versus uh, Leftwich. That was what it was looking like at the beginning of the year. And, you know, you're not going to get that now uh, as far as, you know, the matchups that away and especially the hyped up battle it is. Maybe we still get a good pitching duel there. Uh, good to see Judd hitting, though, for sure. Um, there. So, uh, yeah, what, uh, real quick, uh, Bailey, uh, Gator still sitting in second in the SEC in softball, correct? Yes. Yes. I'm not, I can't remember exactly how, like, what the, uh, numbers are there. And how many games East, are and there? where are the Gators sitting in the East? They are currently two games behind Vandy, one behind Tennessee. There you go. So, yeah. With a sweep, they're in first place. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. And uh, Mizzou this weekend, too. So, they're, they're a pretty hot team. I think they're in third in the standings. If I can double check myself here. Uh, no, Alabama. Alabama went ahead of them. But, it's still um, crazy to hear Missouri and Arkansas doing well. Yeah. It's just it's mind-boggling. <laughs> it's, it's a strange season, for sure. But, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so like you said, no midweek game this week. FAMU has COVID apparently, so you don't get that fun, exciting game. I'll be on so glad when we don't have to think about it no more. Please, <laughs> please, let's just get past it all. Oh Lord, help! So there we go. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts on things before we get out of here? And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. We're going to talk about some of these uh, new uh, policies they're putting in for practice, and we'll also uh, you know kind of dive into how the draft went and uh, talk a little uh, basketball maybe. And we'll definitely recap this uh, Florida Vandy game. So any final thoughts from either one of you guys? Uh, not really. Just looking forward to the draft here. See how many Florida can can get taken, and you know, hope it all goes good. Really excited to see some of these guys finally see their dreams kind of come true here. So that's what it's all about. It's gonna it's gonna feel so good to have baseball, softball, and the draft all going on at the same time after where we were this time last year. Yeah, yeah. For that. And, and I have the Braves going. So like, I'm I'm all here. Yeah, I'm just. Hey, you got the- Watch one hit in 14 innings, didn't you? Oh, yes, I did. It was hot, too. It was very hot in Atlanta. It was, it was good, though. You know, it's never a bad thing to be in Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, that wasn't very fun, guys. So appreciate you reminding me of that, Ethan. I was trying my best to forget about that, okay? Well, you got to see a win the next day, so. Yeah, I did, and I got to see a win on Friday night. So it was good all around. Uh, the little one got to see monster trucks. So that was uh, loud and obnoxious. But, hey, it is what it is. Oh, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate it. Follow us at Gator Country on Twitter, at Gator Country on Instagram, and on Facebook. And check us out on the on the website as well. We'll have draft stories going live as guys get drafted. And then uh, we'll have our softball and baseball updates coming as well. And so check us out on Gator Country, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.